Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Welcome, Browns backers. I'm Chuck Campisi, joined by Tony Dick, and this is Believe in the Browns. And just to give you a quick background on who your hosts are, Tony Dick worked in various capacities with the Browns over the course of 21 seasons with the team. So when he mentions being in the building, it's being in the building. He started with the team as a member of the Browns crew in 91. Worked with them up until the time they left for the city who shall not be named. Uh, (laughs) He rejoined the Browns upon their return to Cleveland and served his last nine years with the team as the team's manager of alumni relations before leaving in October of 2015. Tony is also a member of the Pro Football Researchers Association and has served as a research assistant for several documentary projects with NFL Films, NBC Sports, Time Warner Cable Sports Channel, and Epics. Myself, I have experience in the sports industry in various capacities with Major League Baseball teams, NCAA programs, the Miami Dolphins, the Buffalo Bills, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where I earned a Super Bowl ring with the Buccaneers. Super Bowl, anybody? 37. 37. Uh, And between Tony and I, we've probably worked about... 20 Super Bowls. We're brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Welcome Browns backers, it's Chuck Campisi here with Tony Dick and we are Believe in the Browns, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Again, before we begin, if you enjoy the show, Please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. You can find us at Believe.com, that's B-L-E-A-V.com, and at Believe Podcast, that's at B-L-E-A-V Podcast. You can also find us on Twitter at Browns Believe, that's at Browns B-L-E-A-V. Same handle for Instagram as well. Tony, today we're going to talk about the new unis, we're going to talk a little bit about the draft, maybe some other topics if we have some time, try to keep it tight for everybody, know that everybody's anticipating the draft, but first, to the new uniforms, Tony, what do you think? Um, you know, I don't know, we only have a little bit of time here, right? So, uh... (laughs) Uh, we got as much time. You as know, no. I, what's there? I, I guess I like what's there. I don't. I don't know. It, I mean, to me, it, it appears to be the same exact uniform 
that we had prior to the last change, minus the word Browns across the chest. I mean, I think that's the only thing that got changed. Well, I, I guess uh, check that. I know on the on the uniforms they use the orange swoosh instead of the white swoosh. So uh, you know, I guess more visibility for Nike. Um, you know, which is ultimately the goal, right? If you're, uh, you know, if you're an owner and, yeah. you know, you want to pay homage to your, <laughs> the tradition of your team, let's worry about taking care of Nike. And that's about, I, I mean, I don't know, it, it, when they were unveiled, is there any wow? It wasn't like a wow moment. Uh, it really just looked like they took the tape of the last unveiling and then just reversed it. Um, so you, <laughs> you basically just went back to what you had before, a little bit different, but... Nothing, nothing too amazing, which is to be expected. Uh, you know, I just find it a little bit funny that, you know, the same group that destroyed the old design and went to the design we just got rid of was the ones that said we went back because we felt the need to pay homage to the tradition, the deep, rich tradition of the organization, which probably would have saved a lot of people a lot of time and effort if they had just maybe done that the first time i don't know but well it's always i mean from that standpoint right you're you're always in that perfect protection bubble as an owner because nobody's going to go back and look so if you change the uniform to something more forward looking you can always say hey we're moving past we're moving to the future it's a new era then you can always say when you're going a little more retro hey we're paying homage to the past Right, and nobody's gonna go back and look at the old quotes um, yeah. and compare them from you know 2015 to 2020. And to, yeah. um, although, as you noted when we were off the air, we were having a little conversation there. J.W. Johnson, who was you know the spearheader of this or leading the charge on the Browns' own internal uh, podcast, radio station, whatever you want to call it, right? was apparently unaware that people in Cleveland liked the orange pants. Um, quote, did people like the orange orange pants? I didn't realize that. I didn't know that was something that was a big deal. Oh, man, I guess we missed on that one. I know orange <laughs> pants have been part of the Cardiac Kids and a lot of tradition, but I don't know. We'll see. So you're acknowledging, <laughs> like, he even knows what era, so he knew a little bit. But why would you not think that the fans would want to see that? I mean, you're talking from a recent vintage standpoint. That's, yes, not necessarily the championship era of the Browns, but that was a prominent era for the Browns and tied to the history. Why would you not think that fans, at least as an alternate uniform, would want to see that? Yeah, well, it goes back to an old quote that one of the old uh, equipment managers uh, with the Browns. Uh, I'll, I'll leave his name out just to protect him in case... I'm not. I'm not sure if he had to sign anything when he left, but um, <laughs> uh, his his famous quote was, "If the if the if the head of the fish stinks, the whole fish stinks." And um, I, I think that you know, like I said, I, I'm not. I don't want to sit here and bash them on it's uniform. I could care less. But who knows if they're even going to wear them this year? I mean, that's probably a bigger concern. But um, I, I just think if you you've literally spent two years plus putting this redesign together. And if in two years plus time you did not think that it was, um, you know, pertinent to reach out to fans and kind of get their input, because it is the – I mean, you're essentially – the jerseys are for the fans. I mean, yeah, the players wear them, but they're being paid to wear them. The fans are the ones that are paying for them. So you would think 
it would be of utmost importance to maybe get some feedback from your fans regarding what exactly it is they would want to wear or be seen wearing. Um, and I just don't, like I said, it's just one of those things where, um, you know, you just throw another log on the fire. It's uh, just another example of just not really, not really caring. And I hate to say that, but I can't see it any other way because there was no reason why And during the two years they were researching this uh, that they wouldn't look into that and well, see why that you know and, and that's where i think a lot of this was probably done by nike by people that aren't familiar with the organization not that they're bad people but i mean i remember when i was down at the university of miami we unveiled some new secondary logos and stuff like that and and they came out with this clamshell looking thing ibis that was essentially you guys just ripped off the Atlanta Thrashers logo and put, a, put an Ibis in it, and it was horribly designed. And did they come down to Miami? Did they talk to anybody? Did they see anything? So sometimes, it, I don't know if I put it all on the team. Obviously, you have to take control of that. But I think sometimes it's done by people at Nike that aren't immersing themselves in the fan base and the history and the tradition of those organizations that they're yeah. doing these things for. Yeah, I'd go along. If it wasn't for the fact that the Chargers unveiled just the most amazing uniforms by the last 40 years um, the other day, and they work with Nike too. I, I mean, I, so, I mean, there's an example. I mean, were these horrific? No, they're not the Jacksonville Jaguars, two-tone helmets and, and whatever the heck was going on there. They're not that but they, they just don't. I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I'm not going to spend too much time on it. Um, you know, the one thing I've always said that just it, it bothers me is that there's just so many different variations of stripes. I mean, it's re, it's ridiculous. It's the, it's the one thing when you look at the uniforms that, to me, as uh, you know, someone with the fashion sense that I have, um, maybe I'm seeing things a little bit more differently than others. But uh, I just, there's like six different versions of stripes on, on everything. It's just nothing's uniform, um, no pun intended. But uh, uh, I, I just, that bothers me. But apparently it doesn't bother them. I mean, I I don't know. I, I guess. But the Chargers at least have four pant combos, right? They oh, have four different kinds I'm of pants, you, those right? Char so the Browns had orange pants. We'd still only have three pairs of pants, and we'd still have orange pants. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, I'll get on Nike for that. I get on Nike for that, not giving us enough well, different colors of pants. You give the Chargers four, we only get two. Well, the, the thing that's funny is probably the, the hottest selling uniform they've had over the last three years has been the Monday Night Football, the the, the, the color rush, the color rush jersey, and they went ahead and they completely changed that. Like, to, like that's <laughs> the one you probably should have left them alone, and that's the one they changed. I just, uh, whatever. I, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, this, hey, when they go. They go twelve and four this year, and, and uh, you know march through the playoffs. Then it's not going to matter. Yeah, you know they're going to bust out the orange pants for the Super Bowl. Yeah, maybe they'll do that. That's what it is. Uh, <laughs> so all right, so we got the jersey discussion out of the way, Tony. Now we're moving into Thursday's virtual draft. Right, it's actually going to be like a fantasy football draft that guys run. Where hey, you know what? Our our buddies all live in different states now, but we're all going to log onto the computer at the same time and, and in our Yahoo league. <laughs> We're going to run our fantasy football draft, so now all of us fantasy football enthusiasts can actually feel like we're NFL GMs because for 2020, we are drafting the same way as, as yes. NFL general managers. So the Browns, we're just going to cover kind of first three rounds. This is how we're going to do it, folks. We're going to talk about some of the players that we think the Browns might be interested in at 10 and, 
and 41 for 74 and 97 in the third round. We're going to talk about positions that we think we'd like them to fill, and then we're going to kind of ignore uh, rounds four through seven because realistically, we could throw out some names. By that point in the draft, we don't know who's going to be falling, who's going to be rising, uh, any of that type of stuff. And we're not going to bore you with discussions of players from northern Illinois uh, that had a great season that might end up being a, a guy who makes the roster, but four through seven, the amount of times those guys generally make the roster and are significant, significant tr- contributors. It's not few and far yeah. between, but it's definitely fewer than first three rounds. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that. Tony, pick number 10. Brown's first round pick. You know, a lot of people talk about not a lot of trades this year, so we're going to pretend like, hey, no trades happen. We're just going to draft it as we see it for these rounds. Who are you looking at? Obviously, I think we're going, you have to go offensive line here. I can't imagine the Browns going anywhere else. So, of those kind of big four guys that are there, who's your pick? Um, you know, I think, you know, I agree. They have, they have to go, we've said this the last couple of weeks, that, you know, they just absolutely have to go offensive line. And, um, you know, we talk about, you know, looking looking back and seeing, um, you know, the things that have worked for us over the last 20 years. I mean, certainly the greatest pick we've had in the last 20 years um, has been Joe Thomas. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to argue with that. And, um, I, I, you know, to me, if we do anything other than an offensive tackle um, at at that spot, at the number ten spot, then I, I think I, I don't know. I just I just think we we've we've probably blown the pick. I mean, I hate to, well, I, I hate to be that dramatic about it. Now there has been talk about us. I know we're not talking about um, you know moving back, but um, there has been talk about us moving back, and I just don't get it. I mean, to me, if we're at 10 and there's an offensive lineman there a tackle there that fits that we should take an offensive tackle we we shouldn't overthink this one i mean get get your needs and get out of there um so with that you you know i I like the kid out of alabama um you know jedrick wills i i like i like wills i'm hearing um you know there's other names that are floating around out there i think that's got to be our number one though um do I do I think if we if we feel like he's not going to fall to ten, we should move up? I don't know if it's that important because we do have picks later on that we can draft other tackles and try some people out. Because the, you know the other thing is, if you need a left tackle, you know what that means. You also need a backup left tackle. Too, <laughs> well, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but at least I mean I think I think they're in a good spot at ten where you know Werfs, Becton, Wills, or Thomas. Two of those four guys are going to be there. Yeah. The, the challenge is, and we talked a little bit when we were talking um, with how Carnal parts from the AFC North last week, is, you know, Andrew Thomas is really the only one that spent the majority of his time at left tackle in mm-hmm. college. Do they project out that all of these guys could potentially play left tackle? They do. So then that's something that the, the scouting department, that's, that's where you make your money. Is hey, can you if this guy played largely right tackle in college, does he project out? Could he play left tackle in the NFL? Can they make that adjustment? Do they have that athletic ability? Whereas if they've already played it in college, especially at a school like Georgia, you know, you're not going up against slouch defenses every week. So 
that's where I would say I'm probably leaning a little towards Andrew Thomas just because of that college experience there. Obviously, a guy that played at Alabama, uh, I'm probably not going to you know, be like, oh, man, I don't know, because they're playing the same schedule, right? Yeah. You're talking SEC, you know, Wurfs, Big Ten, Becton, ACC. So, you know, level of competition is still pretty high for most of those guys on a, on a day-to-day basis. You know, looks like you're going, you're leaning Wills. I'd probably lead a little Thomas just because of that that college experience. But I would be realistically happy almost with any of those four guys, yep. whoever comes off the board, um, because, yes, it's going to provide an upgrade from where we're at at this point, I think, even if it's a guy switching sides. Yeah, no, I, I and so, I mean, it's this may be the one year. I've said this before. It just seems like the last... 10 years we've kind of always fallen into a spot where we were picking somewhere where there really wasn't there was somebody that fit a need but they really weren't worthy of that pick where it was at and then you would talk I, I think if any of those four guys is there at 10 you you could make the argument that any of those four guys is worth that number 10 pick i, I don't feel like you're going to take any of those four guys and feel like that was a reach yeah, well we should have traded back so um you know hopefully Hopefully we hold Pat and um, unless unless I don't know. Hey, if somebody throws you a Godfather offer, then yeah. man, hey, take it. Yeah, but right. ho- hopefully, hopefully we just fill our needs and move on. I'd like to have that kind of draft. Yeah, if if something like that comes up, then then I am I'm totally uh, on board with that. I mean, if there's a way for um, the Browns to maybe sneak in, uh, hey, maybe, maybe it's part of the uh, Trent Williams type thing where. Hey, you know, you give up the ten, you get Williams, and uh, you get whatever you know Washington's maybe second round pick is, or something like that, or yeah. um, you know, you make some kind of deal, uh, and maybe Washington wouldn't be up for that because they think, oh, well, you're getting um, Trent, like we're not going to give you an additional pick. Um, but hey, if you're the Browns, you got to push for something like that, knowing that he's probably not playing for the. Yeah, yeah. If he's not going to be there, you know, that's kind of what happened. It doesn't look like they have a second round pick, yeah. so maybe it was be a third round pick. Well, that's, that's what happened yesterday with Gronk. I mean, it, you know, people are asking if the the Patriots got fleeced. How could they have gotten fleeced? He wasn't going to play for. It. He was retired. Yeah, you and, know? That's, so, and that's the thing. So you got to look at where you're at from that standpoint. And even if you're the Browns, right? Would you trade the tenth number ten pick for um, for Trent Williams, right? right? For a solidified NFL. Yeah tackle hey yeah maybe it's like hey you know what if i can just solidify that position at the 10 like yeah i might not have this guy for as long as i would have somebody else but it's definitely worth yeah you're, you're not you're not you don't have to guess what what he's gonna do i yeah. mean you, you have a body work to go on yeah i'm cool with that so uh you know it might be something that you know maybe they're pursuing i'm not i'm not 100 sure on that but i wouldn't be uh averse to a pursuit of that so let's move down to number 41. We're hitting the second round, so we'll hit the second day of the draft, right? So this will be Friday for us. I think round two, you have to go defense. Um, you, you know, if, if, if they can get that tackle position, I'm cool with that at, at, in the first round. But we have a ton of holes to fill on defense. Um, and and I, I guess where do you start, right? I mean, we, we, de- we definitely could use some linebackers. Definitely going to use some, um, you know, some DBs. I know, um, you know, just looking uh, that uh, was it Grant Delpit um, yeah, at, at LSU. I mean, um, 
obviously, you know, and that's the other thing too. You, you know, I, I don't want to get too much on this because I know some people think it's it, it's it doesn't make sense to say it, but you know, with taking wills, with getting guys from Alabama, getting guys from Georgia, getting guys from LSU. Um, Ohio State, I'll throw Ohio State out there before I get people, you know, locally here getting salty with me. I, I mean, I think it's important to take people. No, I, know, <laughs> I think I think just think it's important at this point to get as many people in the building that have experienced winning, because the reality is we had a decent season last year. But but if you're happy with what we had last year, then then you're part of the problem, not part of the solution. I think we need to start building a winning culture, and the best way to do that is to bring in kids who are winners. And um, well, I think so, also you've, you've got a high level of competition there, week in and week yeah, out, right? Yeah. I mean that's the that's the big benefit of being at a big in a big power conference is the yeah. level of competition is going to be at least at worst case scenario very good every week. Right. Whereas if you're coming from a MAC or a smaller conference, you know, no offense to our Akron and Kent and Ohio listeners, right? It's not the same as competing in the Big yeah. Ten. Yeah. Like you could probably even throw a Notre Dame in that. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Let's drop that one subtly. Now, now, yeah, and I would be, I would agree with you 100 percent on the on the defensive side of the ball. I think there's a couple guys that 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 pan out. You know, I think we need. I think linebacker and safety are the two spots that we definitely need to fill from that standpoint. So Grant Delpit definitely from LSU. You know, depending on who's available, Jeremy Chin. And yes, I did just talk about you know big schools guy, Southern Illinois, um, but a guy who performed exceedingly well. Um, Jordan Brooks, a linebacker from Texas Tech. Um, Zach Bond, linebacker from Wisconsin, and then the one guy that I hope falls to us. I would love to see fall to us as a Golden Gopher myself, Antoine Winfield Jr. So our Ohio State fans should be familiar with his dad. A guy that's a little small for his position in the safety role, mm-hmm. but a guy that could, I think, can do it at that level. A lot of guys have him going in the first round in some of the mocks. I think GMs might fall back on their penchant for trying to draft bigger safeties, and he might slide a little bit. If he does, I'd love to see the Browns scoop him up. And a guy who could who could be a returner as well so not just filling that safety role but also filling a role on on special teams from that standpoint I, I would love to see that but yeah and I think not only defensive side of the ball I think you gotta look specifically at linebacker and safety you're kind of you're okay on the defensive line you're okay from a defensive back standpoint you're really depleted <laughs> from a safety and a linebacker standpoint. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, any decent team, um, and certainly any playoff-bound team, uh, you, you got to be strong up the middle, and we're just, I, you know, it's crazy. When I, you start diving into this draft and we start looking at the whole, you don't, you don't really notice, like, how many holes are there. And, and on top of that, I hate, I, I don't want to say we need defensive linemen. I don't think it's a high priority, but um, our defensive line, um, when you look at just what we were doing against the rush last year, I, I'd say we could at least, you know, maybe explore bringing in some people and, and, and tightening that up a little bit. I mean, obviously, an outside edge rusher, everybody could always use one of those. But um, uh, definitely the linebacker safety position, um, I, I think that's that's probably where we need to be. And, and I like, like I said. Delpit being on LSU, being a winner, is huge. Uh, probably a couple things, you know, I don't know. 
maybe sometimes he reaches as far as um, you know trying to um, do a little bit more than than he can. But but I think that's something that could get coached up. Yeah. I'm never going to fault somebody for trying to do more than they should. Yeah. Um, that you could coach up. Um, when you got guys kind of dogging it, um, then you have a problem. So yeah, I don't know. So we'll finish up our Friday then, right? So we got our Thursday out of the way with our first round pick. Uh, you know, we're both going offensive line. We got our um, early Friday, you know, first part of Friday, our second round pick kind of out of the way with either a safety or, or a linebacker there, whichever role. And, and I think we both agree Delpit's probably going to be there. That's where a lot of the mocks have him going um, is to us. I'd love to see that again. If he's not available, I'd like to see somebody, Jeremy Chin, Jordan Brooks, Zach Bonner, Antoine Winfield Jr., you know, if he's, if he's still available. Um, any of those guys at a linebacker or a safety role, I'd be, I'd be really happy with. Now the last part of our Friday, because we're gonna skip, we're gonna, you know, not pay attention to four through seven for that standpoint. Saturday, we'll let just folks enjoy the, the bliss that is rounds four through seven, um, without our input. So third round, first pick the Browns have. We got two in this round. We got number seventy-four. I'm gonna go first on this one, Tony, because I know a lot of Browns fans might disagree with me. But I talked about this on our AFC North podcast. I talked about it the week before. I really feel like, yes, we have a a veteran backup to Baker Mayfield. We're not sure he's going to be the guy. I'd love to see Jake from State From come off the board here from Georgia to Cleveland as a guy to challenge Baker Mayfield, push Baker Mayfield. I know there are other needs but you can't succeed in the NFL unless you have a quality quarterback. And I think providing a little bit of competition, and I think this is the right round and pick to do it, is paramount um, to a success of an NFL franchise. So uh, I'm going with they need to try to find a quarterback here in this spot, and I know a lot of people are going to disagree with me. So what, what do you got? Well, I, you know, we talk, you know, We've talked about this, and I think we both agreed that uh, I don't have a problem with bringing another quarterback in. I, I mean, I I'm not I'm not going to say that I 100% think that Baker Mayfield is not. I mean, he's got he's got talent. We're not, oh, I'm not I'm sitting not here saying 100% that. 100 agree. Uh, however, I will say this: if we have loaded the offense up with all the players that we've loaded up, and let's say we bolster the line with with our 10th pick, and we have a season, and we find out that. Now that all the pieces are in place, Baker isn't the guy. Um, you, you know, then you have to have somebody in place because I, I don't think I'm ready to just burn another season here. I mean, we did that last year already. Um, if you go ahead and you go through this season and he's not the guy, and now what? We're going to pick a quarterback next year. Um, I, I think that puts you in a position where you know now all of a sudden all these picks that p- people you picked up. Their contracts are going to be up, and the thing starts falling apart again. I think having a guy like there, uh, like from there, just to even compete with him on a daily basis, if you can get him in the third round, I- I'm all I'm all over that. Um, you know, and and then I, the other thing I said it, um, the other day when we were talking about it, the, the the other pick, um, I would like to see is another lineman. Um, I you know I know we just kind of contradicting myself that we needed to bolster the defense, but we're just saying go front. But um, So 97 or 74, or either one? E- either one. Lineman. Either one. Um, so I, would you say then, 
you don't care what order, but no. you think an offensive lineman in the third round, and then what is your other position in the third round? Do you want a quarterback there, or do you want the team to go defense there? I would say Fromm's there, you got to take him. If you have the ability to take him, you take him. Okay. With that first pick. If he's not there, if he's gone, he's probably the one guy that I'm going to say, you know, unless Tua drops all the way. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, then yeah. hold the phone. Uh, but, but, then maybe uh, we change that second round pick. Right? Yeah, yeah. If, if Tua's there at 41, geez. Um, but, uh, maybe he, even at 10. Hmm. Yeah, no. Uh, no. <laughs> um, I, but but I, I would say go after in, in another offensive lineman because uh, we, we, we do need depth there. I mean, we... You know, it's crazy because you can talk about, oh, my God, we got all these weapons on offense. Well, none of the weapons mean anything if you don't have a, a – you know, it's like having a, a missile, but you don't have a, a way to, you know, launch to, to launch it. I mean, it, you know, it's, it doesn't do you any good. So um, I would say offensive line or, or if there's somebody that just knocks their socks off at linebacker. But I would rather go offensive line. I think we got plenty of picks in those later rounds. Or we could fill those defensive holes. The kid that I, I, I mentioned the other day that I liked was the uh, the, the kid out of Auburn, Prince Tiga uh, Wanogo. <laughs> um, I, I I don't know why. I just after watching him last year, and, and he's not even ranked super high. If you go to a lot of boards, he's not ranked high, so he may even fall to us in, in a fourth round. But I think if he's there with that second pick in the third. I just think he's a super athletic kid. He's only been playing football for a couple of years. His story is an amazing story. Yeah. But I think that the beauty of him is, and, and this is like I'm going back to a, a Belichick-type pick, because I could almost see Coach taking a guy like this. Um, he He's just a, an amazing athlete who happens to be gifted with some huge size, and, and I think you could turn him into whatever you want him to be on the offensive line. Um, so – uh, while some people would argue we're not in in the position to take on projects, I think he's a kid that you're not really taking that much of a risk. I don't think if if you were to sign him. So yeah, and and there's a lot of guys that I think are going to kind of fall down that board that might be available at, at any of those spots at, at, at 97 and realistically even at 74 depending on 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 who's available or not available on the board I think if you're not taking a quarterback so if you're not taking somebody like Fromm or somebody that you think can compete um, and potentially be a starter in the NFL you're looking at your offensive line your linebackers and your safeties for both of those picks and you're taking the guy that you think is best, regardless of position. But, I mean, I'd say regardless of position, but they have to fall into those three categories, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Um, so I would agree with you on that. And, and, and who's going to be there? Again, that's going to be really tough to know. You know, would a guy like Damian Lewis from LSU, the guard, be available? Would um, Shadiq Charles, their tackle, be available from LSU? Um, you know, you mentioned Prince Tega. Uh, hey, maybe he's available from Auburn. That would be awesome as well. Trey Adams from Washington. And then if you're looking at the safety standpoint, maybe a guy like um, Brandon Jones from Texas. Okay, hey, if he's available, are, are we going to take him? You know, hey, yeah, maybe that would be great if they did. Um, you know, Logan Wilson, obviously a smaller school guy. Maybe you can get him at 97 or maybe he's going to fall into the um, – fourth round because he is from a Wyoming, you know, Terrell Lewis, a linebacker from Alabama, um, 
Ashton Davis from California, the safety. If if some of those guys are available, yeah, you're you're, you're taking whoever you have highest rated period on your chart because there's a lack of depth and even a lack of starting caliber players on the roster in essentially all of those positions. So whoever you get yeah. is going to bring value, I think, to the to the organization. We'll see. I mean, it'll be interesting to kind of uh, put this together. We'll probably try to get one uh, maybe knocked out this weekend, maybe early next week to kind of evaluate the draft. I kind of hate grading it because you never really know, right? No. I mean, you got to grade drafts essentially five years after they happen to figure out, you know, where guys panned out. You know, you, you see all these draft games, oh, A-plus, you know, okay. And then, you know, five years later, half the draft's out of the league. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's always interesting to kind of view those. So, Tony, as we wrap up, I think one of the things that we kind of over um, didn't overlook last week but didn't necessarily have enough time to talk about, Joe Thomas um, was named to the – you know, 2010s all-decade team, unanimous selection. What do you think of that for for Joe? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think it was a very difficult choice. I, I mean, I, I, I certainly um, I hold Joe in high regard both on and off the field. I, I know it's an award for the on-field part, but, I, I mean, the reality is just – an all-around good guy and as I mentioned before in the last 20 years for this organization there has not been a, a greater pick than than Joe Thomas I mean um, just a consistent presence a consistent positive presence in the locker room for a team that um, just didn't really have a lot of that going on and um, so no I, I, I you know hats off to him it was good to see at least one you know, one person make it. You hate to go, you know, an entire decade without having, uh, you know, somebody on that team. And uh, so it was, it was great to see him there. Um, well, de- well deserved. Certainly in, in the history of the organization, if we were to look back, I mean, I, I know we're rich at wide receiver. We're, we're certainly rich at running back. But I, I think if you were to really, really look hard at our organization, that left tackle position over the course of, of our you know time here um, in pro football it has probably it probably falls right behind I would say um, running back and in, in, in wide receiver our our left tackle position has been pretty solid I mean yeah no <laughs> I mean, the nice thing about it is you didn't have to you you know you had essentially four guys have filled a large bulk of that time which is amazing because most teams spend forever looking for that right guy so to to go from Grozer right into Shafrath right into Deacon obviously there's a little bit of a pause there you know Tony well even T-Bone Tony Jones I mean that was uh yeah you're not going to argue that he was a bad left tackle to to go from him um and then you know a couple years there were thin you know 99 on but then to have a guy like Joe Thomas kind of hold that down um pretty awesome stuff so yeah i mean easily in the new incarnation of the browns right the best pick in franchise history oh, uh, yeah. hands oh, down yeah. right um and and you're looking at a guy that hey was during that period of time right you're talking the 2010s right a six-time first team all pro during that decade so like you said a pretty easy choice yeah. for the writers obviously a unanim- unanimous selection 
the linchpin for any of those teams, obviously those teams weren't that great. I don't think that was anything to do with his no. player ability. The only thing I would have liked to see from Joe – uh, during his time with the Browns was a little bit more of his personality because he's great on the Tomahawk show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I, I said, you know, that's the one that was one of the things I, I said when he first started doing that podcast is, man, I, I just really wish that um, he had been more vocal when he was a player. But but then when you think about it, I mean, he's the kind of guy that when he was when he was playing, I almost respect this, but when he was playing, I mean, he led by example very, very few words. Because I know that was kind of one of the knocks on him. Yeah. Is that there wasn't a ton of veteran leadership in the locker room and maybe he should be a little bit more vocal. But I think for a guy like Joe, if you were in the room with Joe and you weren't picking up on what he was putting down as far as I'm the first one here, last one to leave, I don't cut, you know, don't yeah. take off any reps, every rep's 100%. I, I mean – that's kind of on the person that didn't get it more than it's on Joe, I guess. Yeah, but but but, I but, it, but it would have been great. I mean, yeah. shoot, he's that's what yeah. I mean. Is I mean, just from a just from a hey, it would have been nice to see uh, some of those guys actually been put to the fire um, with Joe a little bit. I'm sure he did it in private, but just as a fan, oh, yeah. right? Who at least it would have made some of those seasons slightly more bearable, bearable um, to have some entertainment from a Joe side. So I'm not saying that it's uh, something that I would have recommended he do from a success of the team standpoint I, I think you, i would agree with you like hey he was putting in all of the effort all of the time focusing 100 yeah. percent on what he needed to do to be successful and make that team successful but <laughs> man since they weren't yeah. it would have been a lot more <laughs> enjoyable you know, he, on our end to at least have some of that entertainment yeah the, well the funny thing is sadly um you, you know i almost and i'm not saying this is why joe did it but i i certainly think for Joe, it's going it's going to benefit him. Almost, uh, you know, being uh, as vocal and or not vocal as he was, I think will probably bode well for him when it comes time for Hall of Fame voting. Because you know, I just ran down that list of guys. Uh, you know, Dick Shafras, a guy who probably should be in the Hall of Fame, and, and one of his teammates, Gary Collins, at wide receiver, same thing. The reason I believe both of those guys aren't in is just because they, they weren't. Um, you know, media friendly when they were playing, and which is sad um, because most of the people that they weren't friendly to right now are dead, I would imagine, or <laughs> or, or not voting. Um, but but um, yeah, I think that's one of those things where I you know got to tip my hat to him because I there was plenty of things I would have liked to have said if I was a player. I, I mean, um, but but he took the high road. No, and, he did, he did. That's the thing. Can't no. fault him for it uh, from no. a professionalism standpoint, but no. from a fan entertainment standpoint i just i would have, i would have liked to have been a fly on the wall at that maybe the thomas household uh <laughs> you know having a chat with the wife or his dad or somebody like that or his brother about hey what's what's going on here on a daily basis and these mother you know um i would have loved to have heard it uh, so so that's that's my only gripe but it's it's uh it's just a personal entertainment gripe it's not an actual uh gripe <laughs> So that's all we got for you, Browns backers. Thanks for tuning in. Again, we're brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Again, if you enjoy the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. You can find us at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. And at Believe Podcast. That's at B-L-E-A-V Podcast. You can also touch base with us at Browns Believe. That's at Browns, B-L-E-A-V. Have a great one, Browns backers, and enjoy the draft. Good job, Chuck.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.